Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast. Community, superhero movie fans, teachers, students, awesome people, because they're looking to score, they're looking to discover more about the world and superheroes and the movies and stuff. There, it's, it's, it's. I'm shitty with intros right now because maybe we're doing an intoxicated episode. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Bauer. Joined by the movie maestro. A very sober James Skyler Houtsma. And the scientific scholar. Two beers, Ben Anderson. <laughs> Superhero Movie Studies is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movie differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's comic books, money, music, spelunking, or science, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. Who? The Batman. What do we do? What anyone does when a prowler comes around. Call the police. You want the cops here? At this point, they can't stop us. But the Batman... As a talent for disruption, pours him outside, the police will take him down. Go. What about her? Oh, she hasn't got long. I give her a concentrated dose. The mind can only take so much. Now, go. The things they say about him. Can he really fly? I heard he can disappear. Well, we'll find out. Won't we? And yes, there will be spoilers. First opinions, first opinions, first opinions. I'm going to start this one because it's going to be a very forgettable first opinion because this has always been, in my mind, a highly forgettable film. I'm not saying the movie's bad. I have it on Blu-ray, so ever, and I've busted it out probably more than any Blu-ray movie I have outside of, like, Dread, to be honest. And I just keep watching this movie and going, yes, wow, what a great put-together film. Very entertaining, very well put story. Everything is beautiful. The action is nice. I can fall like it feels like a great movie. It's not like the choppy superhero movie of today, where it's just action, action, action. Like uh, everything's so choppy. It's an actual fucking story. And then the next day, I completely forget all the shit that happened in this movie. I can't remember half the lines. Um, I vaguely remember the scenes. It, it's just why? Why is this so forgettable? It's so good. It's it's of. I mean, it, and then it's usurped by Dark Knight. Uh, but it's such a great story of of how to become Batman. <laughs> Better than any origin Batman story before, that's for sure. But at the same time, I'm going, man. What is the deal? I just have complete amnesia, short-term memory, 
every time. Anybody else feel the same way? Popcorn, Skyler. Yeah, more or less, you know. Um, among the Nolan Batman trilogy, I think it's the one that just kind of fades into the background more than others. Uh, when I first saw this movie, when I was 13, must have been, I didn't really care for it because up until that point, my Batman film exposure had been, the freeze is coming. Yeah. Um, and then upon subsequent viewings, I kind of warmed up to it. Um, good action, good performances, uh, very unique take on it. More than anything, the movie is just, um, I think, just one of those benchmarkers where it shows, oh, you can do a superhero movie that is an actually good movie that takes itself seriously and can be revisionist and something different, a different take while still remaining a quality film. But it needs more Scarecrow. Popcorn Ben. Um, Miller High Life, The Champagne of Beers, is how I'd describe this this film. Um, <laughs> okay, that was... Excuse me. Uh, I belched, if you're wondering what that sound was. Um, yeah, it's it's a movie. Uh, there's, there's some semblance of plot, and there's action, and Batman's in it. But ultimately, it's just a Batman movie. Like how Miller High Life is just a mediocre beer. I saw, actually, interestingly, I saw this like a couple years after seeing The Dark Knight. So that was weird. Yeah. Um, it's weird that The Dark Knight is such a great film without needing Batman Begins at all in terms of storytelling. In terms like makes, of. I feel like it makes Batman Begins worse because all the characters are less interesting because at the beginning of The Dark Knight, they've already gone through all that character development. And so, like, in the very beginning, they're even more boring or... <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. But it was all about, hey, is Batman Begins good enough to warrant enough money to bring in a second movie? And let's take a look at those stats. Under a production budget of $150 million at the time, probably the average, what did it bring in, Skyler? I don't know. The mystery stands to this day on whether they actually went with a second movie. <sighs> Domestic gross of Batman Begins is $205 million, followed by a foreign gross of $168 million to bring it to a whopping question mark, $373 million. To put that into perspective, a $48 million opening weekend was ruled strong but unimpressive by today's instantaneous blockbuster standards. According to Watch Mojo, uh, excuse me, not Watch Mojo, Box Office Mojo. Other things to note about uh, the movie's Money Hall: uh, film opened in 55 IMAX theaters and is one of the first movies to open the door for big Hollywood releases to uh, be released in the medium. It's currently the fifth highest-grossing Batman movie, just surpassed by another Batman movie that may have just come out. Um, it's ahead of Batman Forever, behind Batman 1989, both domestically and worldwide. And it's the eighth highest grossing movie of 2005, so not too shabby. Yeah, you know, mild and success. It, and it made enough uh, money to earn a fantastic sequel, Batman yeah. Begins 2, Batman <laughs> Continues. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like that. I'm going to use that later. Uh, <laughs> Batman continues. 
<laughs> and then Batman ends. Batman is over. It's the, it's the third movie in the trilogy. <laughs> Batman comes back one more time. Batman gets more. rebooted. <laughs> yep. Oh, Hollywood, how we love thee. Oh, let's talk comic book, gang. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, there's uh, there's some there's some characters that get introduced to this. Uh, the storyline is a bit based on Batman Year One, kind of sorta, not really in that. Mostly, kind of pulls a couple characters from Batman Year One, like Falcone, uh, and like Detective Arnold Flass. That's pretty much it. Like year one's all about Batman fighting the mob. All the crazy people hadn't shown up yet, uh, but then it morphs into its own with the inclusion, of course, of Ra's al Ghul slash Henry Ducard and Scarecrow, uh, and all the, the plot that comes with that. A few characters that get introduced in this movie. We start with Victor Zaz on the less important scale. I'm not really going to talk about Mr. Zaz because he wasn't even really mentioned by name, just by look. The guy with the tally mark tattoos, because that's a a semi-famous Batman serial killer villain. He has a higher role in Gotham Season 1, and I think I'll save him for that. So let's get on to a more important character. Detective Arnold Flass and Commissioner Loeb. going to do a two-for-one. Both of them came out in Batman 404 in 1987 by Frank Miller and David Mazzuccelli. So Flass is Gordon's corrupt partner in the Year One comic book. This is when Year One started, Batman 401. 404. (laughs) He's out to manipulate the already corrupt system of GCPD so that he can reap benefits. He's like, all these poor schmucks can continue being poor schmucks. I'm going to be rich and influential and a bully. So, but it doesn't work out for him, as you know. Loeb, Commissioner Loeb, is bought out by the crime families completely and will do anything to maintain that status. As we kind of sort of see in the movie with a little pushback. And you definitely see in Gotham season one where it's all that storyline is a lot more fleshed out because it's Batman before Batman's even like 16. (laughs) The next character, we have Carmine Falcone first appearing in this film in the same as above premiere 404, 1987 Miller and Mazzuccelli Carmine was shot at a younger age in a rival mob conflict. He had his life saved by the surgeon, Thomas Wayne. (gasps) That's Bruce Wayne's dad. (laughs) At At Thomas Wayne's funeral, he told Bruce he could come to him if he ever needed a favor. Then we learn that Carmine has clawed his way to the top of the Gotham Mafia. All this in pretty much just the year one storyline. He owns the mayor and most of the GCPD, except for Gordon, who had grown up at this age. Uh, And it made him a target for justice by Bruce once Bruce started fighting crime. So he's not really cashing in those favors. He's sort of punching him back in his smug face. 
And uh, Carmine gets a bit more involved in different storylines like Long Halloween, um, as well as Batman Eternal, if you want to learn more about that character and just his influence in Gotham City and how important he is considered. But let's move on to a, a more interesting character, in my opinion, Lucius Fox premiered in this movie. But it originally had appeared in Batman number 307 in 1979 by Len Wein and John Kanan. Len Wein. I keep fucking doing this every time. If I just move past it, nobody really notices. But I always stop and go, is it Wein? Wine? Wayne? I've heard it's it. Pronounced, it's pronounced Vien. Vien. Actually, the, the W in uh, German makes a, <clears throat> makes a V sound. I don't think he's. Is that a German? Is that a German name? Yo, Vienna. Name. The city of Vienna is spelled like with a W. Oh. Well, anyway, Lucius Fox. That's not true. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Uh, a very sought-after, successful business mogul, Lucius Fox was brought into Wayne Enterprises to balance the books. After financial trouble, maybe because Bruce Wayne kept fucking <laughs> embezzling money into his Batman enterprise. Uh, Lucius is also a very talented inventor and engineer, building trust with Mr. Wayne. Eventually, Bruce revealed his alter ego to him, and Lucius begins developing Batman's gadgets, as well as multitasking being the CFO of Wayne Enterprises. He developed the quote-unquote first design of the Batwing, and he's also the first African-American supporting character for Batman, who had premiered 40 years ago. <laughs> and he gets the first black guy to join the main recurring cast. Like 15 years after the Civil Rights Movement. Yeah. 20 so, years after it started. Yeah, comic books... As fun, historical landmarks as they are, yes, they are kind of notorial, uh, notoriously racist. Uh, that is not a, uh, a hidden fact. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's, I guess, how the business was made, really. Oh, isn't isn't Miss Marvel a Pakistani Muslim now? Yes, she is. Uh, yeah. Kamala Khan. They've definitely taken longer steps. Like... Almost all uh, there's an entire X-Men line where the X-Men are completely made up of female characters, and the Avengers are all multicultural characters pretty much at this point. Captain American is Sam Wilson Falcon. Uh, <laughs> Kamala Khan is on the Avengers. Miles Morales, who I believe is African American and uh, Puerto, uh, Puerto, Puerto Rican American, is a, he's, yes. a, he's a mixture. Um, is also a member of the Avengers. Uh, the the correct term is biracial. Thank you. Not, not a mixture. I don't think that's an incorrect in implicit term. Mixed race, maybe, but yeah. Uh, as, as the token social justice warrior guy, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to check your privilege. We'll do. Because we'll do. White male, nothing you says matters. None of us are allowed to be fucking social justice guys because oh, we're all we're really... all cis white males. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think. Okay, I'm just gonna say this now. Yeah. Why can't Batman be black? That's a good question, really. Like, Idris Elba needs to play Batman or something. 
I would watch the shit out of out of um, Batman Begins five. <laughs> Batman Begins again. Yeah, I'd watch uh, the shit. Batman, that. here we go again. Damn it! <laughs> we should get a black guy on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. Will not advocate tokenism. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll work on it. <laughs> uh, anyway. Please, listeners, ignore semi-racist comments. I don't. So Michael's weird. drunk. I I'm am. More than I thought I would be after two beers. <laughs> this is a good episode. I swear it. Uh, <laughs> next uh, character is the Rachel Dawes. The Rachel Dawes. I thought uh, you were going to say The Flash. <laughs> <laughs> she is actually made for this movie. Um, we don't. Here we see Katie Holmes as Rachel Dawes, uh, when later her role would be played by Maggie Gyllenhaal because Holmes accepted a role in the film Mad Money instead of reprising her role in The Dark Knight. There's too many scheduled conflicts, so they had to get a new cast member. That's kind of... Uh, I don't know if it's a rare occurrence in Hollywood. A lot of people like to make that stuff work, or you're contractually obligated to stay in a role for three movies nowadays. <laughs> um, so and I was like, is there anything Rachel Doss is really based on? And not really at all. Because Batman has not really had a female love interest that wasn't also a vigilante, uh, or at least like a big prevalent one that you could name right off the top of your head if you're not a Batman fan. Because you're going, well, sure, he's hung around with Catwoman, he's hung around with Talia al Ghul, and he's hung around with Black Canary. But all of those women like kick ass in their own right, and he's not really pulled a Wonder Woman Steve Trevor relationship, Superman Lois Lane kind of thing. The closest character I could equate this to would be the character of Janice Porter from uh, Batman Dark Victory. While she was never a um, love interest for Batman and Bruce Wayne, she did get involved with Harvey Dent after he became Two-Face. So that, oh, and she was a district attorney derp. So Yeah, that'll do it. Or Andrea Beaumont. But she was made for Batman Mask of the Phantasm, so she's not even a comic book character either. And also killed people. Yeah, oh, that's right. She did eventually. She is. She, she was the Phantasm. Uh, so <laughs> she masked up and did the whole vigilante thing too. Uh, next character, the Scarecrow, premiered in World's Finest number three, 1941. Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Raised by a fanatically religious grandmother, whom he killed as a teenager, Jonathan Crane became obsessed with phobias and fears due to his own fear of bats. He achieved a PhD in psychiatry and worked at both Arkham Asylum and Gotham University. During a lesson, he fired a loaded gun in class, wounding, wounding a student-leading to his termination, because <laughs> he had a loaded gun in class. <laughs> he killed a person who fired him, uh, the dean, and that began his life as a career criminal. He then started developing several neurotoxins, or fear gas, which causes phobia-related hallucinations. Uh, the mask in his own costume filters out the gas, 
but long-term exposure to the gas has had him develop an immunity to fear altogether, with one exception, the Batman. Now, he seeks out confrontations with Batman just so he can feel fear again. That's how messed up the freaking Scarecrow is. His, his fear of bats is the only thing that's left that can make him feel anything. So therefore, he commits crimes so that Batman will punch him every once in a while. That's kind of sad. I know, right? Cause, I thought he was just an ass. Turns no, out he's he, brain damaged. They're all clinically ex- insane uh, for some reason or another. And that's Scarecrow's reason is he just wants to feel fear. And he, he, he lives vicariously through making other people feel fear. Because he can't do it anymore. At first, it was just an obsession to see what would happen, but now it's like I can't even feel that in my own right. So now you've got to feel it. Yeah, if um, Scarecrow were to embody a mental disorder, it would be sadism. Yeah, really, because that is his defining trait. We have two more characters left uh, because Ra's Al Ghul is split. Liam Neeson plays both Ra's al Ghul and Henry Ducard. Like, it's kind of like they combined those two characters. Like, Ken Watanabe was playing a stand-in Ra's al Ghul, and then it was revealed that Liam Neeson was indeed Ra's al Ghul, or Ra's al Ghul, depending on your first media exposure to how that name is pronounced. <laughs> so, let's start with Henry Ducard, because these are two separate characters. Henry Ducard premiered in Detective Comics number 599. Batman's been around for a long time, guys. Uh, in 1989, by uh, Sam Hamm, which is a great name, uh, who was actually a screenwriter for the 1989 Batman movie, and Dennis Cowan. So he's one of, um, during Bruce's travels around the world for training, and that whole montage bit that people rarely touch upon. Uh, he Bruce comes to Paris and learns from an expert manhunter slash detective, Henry Ducard, a pretty grizzled dude. And I'll be honest, I don't know much about him uh, outside of Bruce really trained with him. And I think he had a, like, Robin, one of the Robins, I, Damien, maybe Dick, trained with him as well. Uh, later. <laughs> He's just this French guy who's really good at being a detective and uh, just happens to show up every once in a while to be like, you know what, I'll show you the works a little bit, but you'll have to learn it my way. So let's move on to the final character, Ra's al Ghul. I'll pronounce it like the movie pronounced it. Premiered in Batman number 232, 1979, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, two big names for Batman if you're a comic book fan. A near-immortal man who rejuvenates himself to youth with mystical vats of ooze called the Lazarus Pits. Ra's al Ghul is is a man of supreme grandeur. He believes that a majority of the world's population is a lost cause, poisoning the world, and aims to kill them and remake the world into his idea of utopia. He achieves these these means with a vast amount of wealth and by forming a League of Assassins. I believe they called it the League of Shadows in the movie because Assassin sounds a little cheesy, I guess. That is correct. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like calling your organization the League of Assassins, it's like, oh, what are you? An assassin. <laughs> Whereas League of Shadows, it's like, are they ninjas? Like, what are they? Uh, the League of Assassins are highly trained el- uh, elite uh, who he deems worthy in his new world order or, like, population he doesn't believe he can should kill because it'll be useful. Uh, agents he uses to implement his plans. Ross has tremendous respect for Batman and wishes him to take his place as head of the Demon Clan, you know, head of the League of Assassins. Due to his global plots, though, he becomes a frequent enemy of more than just Batman, running into Justice League and many other DC characters. He is spread far away from just Batman, but a lot of stories involve him trying to kill a bunch of people and at the same time convince Batman to be like, hey, you should get on board with this whole killing a bunch of people idea. (laughs) And as we've seen, sometimes it works. Uh, maybe but that's all I got for comic books so let's move on to the next section music the hills are alive also Vienna is spelled with a W in German (laughs) oh good for you thanks with the sound of music time music for Batman Begins is written by the collaboration of Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard. First time Zimmer has worked with director, for, director Christopher Nolan, although not the last time. Uh, originally, it was just him on the project, but uh, Zimmer insisted bringing Newton Howard on board because he supposedly always wanted to work with him. So there are worse ways to get a gig. Uh, first track we've got on the docket is Vespertilio. It's basically our introduction to the new sound of Batman. Uh, before this film, we had the much more melodic sounds of uh, Danny Elfman and Elliot Goldenthal uh, for the first group of movies. This and Prince and Prince, yes, and, <laughs> and Prince. Don't forget about Seal. Oh, you know, can't deny Seal's impact. Um, so when people first heard this, it kind of threw them for a loop, like. What is this toilet sound? But the more you listen to it, the more you understand how they were trying to differentiate themselves from this new, darker, more grounded take on Batman. Let's take a listen. the build-up to the Dark Knight theme, which this is... Everybody calls it the Dark Knight theme, but, right, this is where it comes from. Right, this whole motif is just the basis on which basically every Batman music piece in the three movies comes from. That I mean, this is the 
the ground idea from which it's built upon. And it's it's easy enough. It's D and F. Minor one, minor three. Major three, excuse me. And everything goes from there. Everything sounds like it now. Yeah, to say this, to say um, composers have found this music uh, the basis for which to <coughs> copy, I mean, uh, the basis of what inspires them, is an understatement. Uh, next track we have on the docket is Myotis. Um, if you think these track names sound weird, it's because they're all the names of bats. I was going to ask you to explain that, because I'm like... Vespertillo, Myotis, Melosis. I'm like, are these weird spices that I've never heard of? These are all um, names of different types of bats. Species? So, species names? Spe- species or genus? I need to figure Scientific out. Scientific names? I yes. think I'll bet. I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk biology if I've never <laughs> taken a biology course. You're not a <laughs> biologist. I'm barely a mathematician. <laughs> Um, fun fact about this track, uh, it w- it's been used for uh, several trailers since the movie came out, most notable being V for Vendetta. Ooh. Let's play Wow, put that shit in the top 15. Top 11. I want to headbang to it, but there's all kinds of mixed meter shit, and I can't do it in time. (laughs) I'm just playing my head about. (laughs) That's a fucking awesome song. It is. Uh, For listeners who aren't familiar with it, it's uh, used in the scene where uh, Bruce rejects the League of Shadows offers and instead just blows them up. Um, This motif is used in uh, the follow-up movie, Dark Knight, uh, for another high-energy scene, but it never quite hits the same emotional uh, resonance as this one. Maybe it's because of the orchestration or just the first time hearing it, but it is an awesome track. We also get our first taste of Hans Zimmer drums, mofos. Oh, cannot have a movie of or a movie score of his without him. So good. Boom, 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 boom. Shatter your ears with those drums. Oh, man, I'm glad you brought those up because my next track on the list is completely different. (laughs) Uh, Next one up is Barbastella. It is, let's see. Oh, it's actually uh, two points in the movie. Um, First uh, part is where is the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Second part is where Bruce revisits the Batcave and has that very symbolic, transformative moment. 
Take a listen. Zimmer shit is just too good. You can't touch that. Mm-mm. Nothing compares. Nothing compares to you. No. Nope. That is also a Prince song. That's why I referenced it. <laughs> Rest in peace. Yes. Sadly had nothing to do with this movie. Or probably a good thing. That's usually everything Prince does is great. Uh probably Bad okay dance. that he didn't. <laughs> Might have been a, a kind of a clash of tones there. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. It's it's very weird to say that when you have a movie that Prince wrote the soundtrack to, it's the thing that ages the worst, especially uh, yeah. in comparison to Danny Elfman's music, which first time composer versus you know global pop star. Although Prince's Batman soundtrack is being re-released on vinyl. There I you saw go. That. So um, <laughs> I know where I'm going to be as soon as that comes out. Holy man! <laughs> Bat Dance did hit, I, I think it did it hit number one on the top 40 at one point. Probably. And it's just, it's amazing, right? Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about Bat Dance, but can never deny a chance to give the man his due. Uh, let's talk about that violin sound, that swell. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, it, obviously when two composers uh, work together on a uh, film, they don't exactly timestamp the the work of who does what, or much less make that public. But I'm having an idea that James Newton Howard contributes a lot of the more... Uh, tender emotional sounds of Batman Begins. Here's a good here's a good rule, all right? Did it have ear-shattering drums? No. I I don't think it did, no. All right, then it probably wasn't Hans Zimmer. Right. The violin weren't the only thing that was swelling. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Someone tell his wife. <laughs> no, she's not my wife yet, oh. unless you're listening to this in like mid-October. A year from now. <laughs> yes. What's the last track? Oh, last track is another iconic Zimmer Batman sound, at least the first Batman sound he created, um, and that is Molossus. Uh, it is the Batmobile chase, which has also been used in several trailers and replicated in scores that try and do the same thing. Cue it up!
in this shit on a crowd pleaser. Mm. That's how you do it. Great song. It is. It's great enough that it was revisited pretty much for other Batman films. I'm, uh, I think I'm going to put Batman Begins at like number nine best superhero soundtracks. Ah, move it up to like six because I could probably only name the top five off of my head. <laughs> Do it right now. Uh, number one, Can Scott Pilgrim. While you're drunk. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, Wrong. Number Oh, what? Number one is not Scott Pilgrim vs. the oh, World? Oh, you're going one to five? Yes. I thought you were going in reverse order. Okay. I'm drunk. I'm drunk. I have to start at the most important because I okay. can't. I have to I'll kick. allow it. Okay, okay. Uh, number two, Iron Man 3. Uh, number three, we're going to go with Man Do I Headbang to Dread. Uh, number four, just out of uh, r- r- respect, Incredible Hulk. R- Incredible Hulk? Did you say Compton? Yeah, you said Straight just out of, out of Compton. Compton. Not just out of Compton. I know. Tyler. I know. You gotta put your own spin on it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how it works. And number five. Fine. Batman Begins. We'll move it up. An honorable mention, Ghost Rider 2. All right. Okay. I didn't think you could do it. You wanted it, you got it, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, and that's all I have for music today. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on to science. Science. How long has it been since a fucking decent science ex segment? Uh, that's a good question. Let's be real here. You know, I ain't trying to disrespect you or nothing, but... No, you don't have to disrespect me. It's it's the movies that we've been doing lately. Yeah, I know. I mean, Batman versus Superman offered you guys nothing, and I had two of you. <laughs> that's poor yeah. management on my part. <laughs> yep. Oh, okay. Don't don't agree so readily. Uh, <laughs> you're right, Michael. You are a shitty showrunner. Uh, <laughs> Only when you're drunk. <laughs> you're bad, and you should feel bad. Oh, okay. Well, talk to me. Give me give me the topics you want. All yeah. right. Let's talk about fear gas. Let's talk about the microwave water thingy. You don't want to do sonic resonance attracts bats somehow. Uh. Bats can hear frequencies that humans can't, and that's about it. So he just created a dog whistle for bats? Yes, a dog whistle for bats. Has that, has that worked before? It would just been like, beep, and then just like a bunch of bats come flooding? I mean, dog whistles work because you can train dogs. So if you can oh. train a bat, oh. there you go. I suppose. If you can be like, I don't as know. You... Bats aren't really domesticated, though, so I'm not sure how well it would actually work. Fair point. Side note. Side note, (laughs) explain the process of rabies shots. Oh, rabies shots suck. Um, (laughs) Like, okay, so rabies shots, if you get bit by an animal, you have to either, like, capture the animal and determine if it has rabies or not. Otherwise, you basically have to get rabies shots uh, before you exhibit symptoms, because if you exhibit symptoms, you will die. Oh, damn. Rabies has basically a 100%, um, 100% fatality rate. You mean people should fear the old hydrophobia? Yes. Um, there, there, like, a half dozen people in all of human history have survived rabies, and it was because they were put into a medically induced coma. 
is, for is like no one, six months. Is no one going to back me up on that Old Yeller reference? I have never anything with Old Yeller, so no. Oh, that's what they called rabies, hydrophobia, and it didn't really make sense to me because I'm like, fear of water? Oh, you yeah. know why? Oh, help me out. You know why that is? One of the symptoms of rabies is um, your muscles tense up and you can't relax You can't relax your muscles. Oh. Which makes it difficult to swallow. <gasps> so you, so can't, oh. you try drinking water, you can't swallow, and actually it's very painful to try to swallow. And so you associate the pain with water, and then you're like, oh, shit, don't get that even anywhere near me because it hurts. That oh. hurts me. So it's, a, 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 it's, it's, it's attaching fear to things, right? Yes. <laughs> Which leads me nicely to my next topic. Nope. It was a good that, segue, uh, and then you ruined it. Yeah. That, uh, that reference went right over my head just like a bat. Which it's so it's so good that you know if you have to catch the animal it can't fly away or anything like that. Oh shit! Yeah, I had a good fucking segue. All right, let's do this. You did not have a good segue because you just hissed segue into your mic. I had a good segue. I said it was actually a segue. That leads me into my next topic, uh, which is the fear toxin. So Scarecrow has his fear gas. He sprays it on people, and then they have these vivid hallucinations about whatever their worst fear is. And a question people ask a lot is, would that be possible in real life? Is there a fear gas? Uh, and the answer is kind of. You could make one, probably. Ah, gross. Eh, not kind of. Um, so the idea is you need, you need to create something that um, creates hallucinations, A, and B, creates feelings of fear. Um, so LSD. Oh yeah. With your body does this weird thing where if you have like elevated heart rate and you start sweating for no reason, your brain will be like, wait, this is what I do when I'm scared of something and I'm doing these things. So there must be something to be afraid about. And we call that, you know, anxiety or a panic attack. Uh, so if you can induce that at the same time, you give someone a hallucinogenic, like LSD, there's your fear toxin. Bad trip, bad trip. Yeah. Bad trip. Remember, remember a few years ago in Florida when everyone was taking bath salts and then just freaking out and eating other people's faces? That was one That's, dude. No, that was the whole state of Florida. <laughs> entire if, my, if, if my memory serves correctly. Reddit.com slash r slash Florida, man. Hey, yeah, there you go. Damn. Uh, quick, everybody give out their... Biggest irrational fear. I'll start. Uh, lawnmowers and Bigfoot. Popcorn Skylar. Bees. I have no irrational fears. My rational fear. My fears are all completely rational, like death and talking on the telephone. Like I would just hallucinate that I'm like in a phone booth and the phone's ringing, and I like see myself like reaching out to pick it up, and I'm like, oh no, I have to talk to someone on the phone. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, what century is this? Yeah, that's irrational. I'd say. Uh, it's absolutely not. I, I say I say lawnmowers are irrational because I'm so scared that things are gonna fly out of there and like stab me in the throat. Oh, except um, that happens like all the time. 
Oh my god, shut we up. We are so off topic. Can we talk about microwaves? No, we're talking about fears right now. This okay, is very on topic. Uh, and Bigfoot, because I had nightmares about Bigfoot as a kid. He, I could never see. You know, okay, it's an, it's, it was a recurring nightmare where all I saw was a pair of hairy legs. Uh, and, 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 and no top because it was all dark and covered in shadows and there was a very distinctive smell and you're getting a lot about Michael's dark childhood right now. Uh, my, uh, my lovely girlfriend has a fear of bears so naturally a few years ago I had to take her to the Disney no- nature documentary Bears. Yeah, so... I was a stand-up uh, guy. <laughs> Alright, we're done with Stand-up fears. comedian. Oh, have you guys ever had um, sleep paralysis? No. I've had it once. It's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> so sleep paralysis is when your brain gets confused on whether it's supposed to be asleep or awake. And it feels like you're awake, but you're like, I can't move. And then your brain does that thing where it's like, why can't I move? I'm scared. And then you start and to the- hallucinate vividly and have like really intense feelings of terror. And it's a panic attack, was, basically, but you're paralyzed. It sucks. I was, was going to say, did the scary nightmare man come in and frighten you like all those people on the Netflix documentary? Uh, scary nightmare, nightmare woman. Oh. Who is eight foot tall and about this big around. Um, this big being a inch diameter? Like a twig. For the whole... For really the long, whole it, was, it was like a Slender Man with boobs. Oh, 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 and dressed in like tight, shiny leather. Oh, nightmares, guys. Yeah. That's our it's new awful. Twitter challenge, gang. Hand us your favorite irrational nightmares, uh, and we will. We're going to read them back because this has been a joyous segue. <laughs> ah, yes. But for this segment, make sure you spell it nightmares with a K at the, the beginning. Dark nightmares. Dark nightmares. Yes. Hashtag dark nightmares. Ah, oh, I love it. Too bad nobody fucking tweets at us. No, I. I bet there's two people who will tweet at us. I'll take those two. I'll take those. I'll take those. I'll take that one. If the the second one is like, eh, not feeling this one. Let's get to the yeah. final science topic. Okay. The uh the microwave. Did you pass out? Oh, there you are. <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so the microwave, the microwave thingy has always kind of bothered me. So basically Russell Gould's plot, Rachel Gould or, or whatever his name is. Um, his plot is load an enormous microwave onto a trolley and then point it at the city's water lines and vaporize all like turn all the water in there to steam, and then everyone uh, has a panic attack, hallucinates vividly their, you know, most terrifying nightmares, and then kills each other and destroy the city. Yeah, because fear gas has now been mixed into the water main. Right. So what always bothered me about this is why did people, like, not have fear toxin effects happen to them after all the toxin had been loaded into the sewers but before it got vaporized when they're like taking a shower, boiling water for tea, you know? Endless amounts of things that involve using the city's water main and tap water. And yeah, and so I'm like I'm like, so when I like make a tea and I sniff it and I'm like, mm, that smells nice 
and then, you know, a pile of phones drops on me. And then two hours later, I'm like, man, that was a weird hallucination. I should call my doctor. And then everyone's like, man, people are sure having a lot of, like, vivid, terrifying hallucinations after making tea. Maybe mm-hmm. there's something wrong with the water. Um, or taking a shower. You well, know. how about we assume this? Uh, Gotham is a very dirty and unhealthy place. Okay. So nobody drinks tea and nobody takes a damn shower. Okay. I guess. The other thing that bothered me about this scene um, was, so microwaves work. The, the basic idea behind it is pretty okay, all things considered. Uh, the way microwaves work, like your microwave in your kitchen right now, um, is it beams microwaves at whatever you're trying to heat up. And the way it heats things up is those way the microwaves um, make water molecules vibrate. They vibrate, and then vibration is actually just heat, or becomes heat, and then there's friction, and stuff happens. Basically, it's exciting water molecules. Um, so the idea is right. Point a microwave at the sewer, and if it's a big enough microwave, well, the water will eventually start to boil, and then your gas line, like your main water mains, will explode and release steam everywhere. What bothered me is that when they were standing right next to it while it was running, the water in their bodies didn't also turn to steam. Oh yeah, like it that should have boiled anyone standing near it alive as well. Yeah, that's how radiation works. It doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't target anything. Right, you can it just direct it. But eh, it always kind of bothered me. But the, the basic idea behind it was was pretty good. I'll give it a eh, sideways thumb. I'll give it a C plus. I'll, I'll give it a well, give it a give it a B minus. All right, he's a very no, generous teacher. No, Better get his class kids. I'll give it a C plus. All right, don't don't let him overthink things. Yeah. You're going to get a bad grade. Yeah. Any more science for me, Ben? That's about all I got, but it was a good one for once, which I'm happy about. Ben, flippantastic. Uh, Tom was supposed to be here tonight, but he's a family man, so things popped up, unfortunately, but also fortunately, because I'm sure he's having a good time with his family, and we're having a good time with our hobby, but we miss him. Uh, And there's no fun facts. Today, so we're gonna go to drinking game rules. I see most of more excuses to drink. Yeah, Uh, Skylar, start us off. Okay, drink every time Katie Holmes reverts to talking out the side of her mouth. I didn't notice this at all until you brought it up. You're welcome. A similar thing uh, brought on by CinemaSins was drink every time you inadvertently notice the giant eye mole on Christian Bale's eyelid. Oh, it's so bad. You don't even... Yeah, you you don't notice it until someone points it out, and then it's all you see. (laughs) I'm going to have to rewatch this movie, but drink every time there's a scene, and you're like, I don't remember this the last time I watched. Yep. Yeah, bring back that second drunk memory mixture that uh, I guess you're going to have to find uh, something labeled pearl alcohol every time they do the death of Bruce Wayne's parents flashback. Um, 
a second part to the first Katie Holmes one. Drink every time you inadvertently notice that she is totally nipping out in the cold <laughs> outdoors scenes. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> you heard me. I Okay, whatever. <laughs> We're I guess really I've never looked at Katie Holmes' nipples before. See how like how <laughs> inattentive this movie makes you. <laughs> See, like any other movie, that'd probably be something I'd remember. <laughs> but I can't even like imagine a scene where what, just a, was it just a, snowing? Uh, maybe. When did this happen? Gotham's in the movie? pretty chilly. She's outside a fair amount, you know, and she's got to go to the Batmobile. When did she go to the Batmobile? This is what I'm talking about. Yeah, she, yeah, she's in the Batmobile for a good section of the film. Uh, oh, well. who, who remembers? Uh, when people are screaming in terror, uh, drink for nightmares. So that means take shots of sugary alcohol. Dark nightmares. Drink, drink every time someone says the word spelunking. <laughs> uh, we love cave diving, spelunking. Or you know what? How about this? Don't drink. Stay sober, because if you drink, you're going to forget this movie more than you did while you were sober. This, this is what they should, like, at, like, Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, I don't want to make fun of Alcoholics Anonymous, because I know it does good things for a lot of people. But if people are like, hey, if you're drinking to forget, just, like, have Batman Begins playing in the background. Because <laughs> you keep forgetting. You'll we'll save money because it's like a $12 DVD rather than, you know, a $12 case of beer every week. You know what I'm saying? A picture's worth a thousand words forgotten. Right, and this is this is filmed at 24 pictures a second. <laughs> so, oh, digging those digging those those stats. Uh, anybody got anything else for us tonight? Nope. N- no. Just the outro. Just the outro because. Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by the semi-fictional Triop Cop Productions. If you like what you hear, you know where to appreciate us. Uh, we are on iTunes, which is probably how you listen to this. Uh, so give us a rating on there. Uh, that's where you can say and, 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 and give better influence for people who are just like, you know, I don't know if I want to invest in another superhero podcast. I don't even know what this one's about. <gasps> but wait, it's got so many high ratings. People love it. Then, yeah, bring them in. Say you love it. Just keep the cycle flowing, please, because that's the best way to help us. Or there's a lot of new fun stuff because... The website. The website, that's right. Uh, so starting in mid-July, we're going to publish um, publish stuff we record one week earlier on our website, trapcop.com. That'll come out a week later on iTunes. So if you, if you subscribe through iTunes, you'll still get all the great content. Um, well, air quotes, great content that we put out. Oh, um, don't sell it short. But, uh, you know, if you want to hear it early... Uh, trapcop.com, triopcop, T-R-I-C-O-T-R, how the fuck do you spell this? <laughs> T-R-I-O-P-C-O-P.com. Um, so, uh, yeah, and we also have uh, show notes from every episode. Um, Working whenever on I, whenever, whenever I get that running. Um, <laughs> those are kind of my responsibility, and I'm lazy. 
Um, and Skylar does stuff on there as well. Um, My R&D department is up to all sorts of no good. So we'll also be, we'll also be uh, sharing interesting papers, essays, scholarly journal articles about superheroes um, as, we, as we find them and think they're relevant. Uh, so, yeah. If well, you ever want to... Go ahead. Uh, sorry. Uh, it's, 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 I, I wrote a Captain America paper for my, like, last final essay for my undergrad, and a freaking Dr. Lauder's thesis is about the adventures of Lois and Clark, Superman television show, and Shimo Song, guest on the show, has also written, and, uh, written, oh dear God, I've, I've, I've dug deep, gentlemen, uh, he's also written a, uh, in a scholarly essay on how the music of the Dark Knight reflects the tone of Batman, and I'm just trying real hard to get that shit posted because <laughs> uh, I want to make it look neat and not like stupid and cheesy and PDF filey. Although PDFs are like the second best file formats for um, scholarly whatevers. Uh, anyway, so if you want to um, contact us about about anything, anything that doesn't fit on Twitter, uh, our email is supermoviestudies at triopcop.com. Send us your scholarly works, please. That too. I could always use and, more content to put there. And speaking of Twitter... Yeah, while we're on the topic, uh, everything Twitter-related, mm, seek out Twitter, Tom. He's a cool dude. He's the quickest way to talk to us and ask us questions. Do you know what we, our tr- Twitter handle is? At something something? At Super M Studies. Super Very M important. Studies. Yes. Super. Thank you. The letter M studies. Not like Auntie M. I get that reference. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Which which was a reference in itself. Um, We'll end it on Wizard of Oz tonight. That'll wrap it up today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Skyler Houtsma. And. Oh, fuck. Um, Oh, Ben Anderson. Yay! Yeah, I got it. I remembered. <laughs> he hasn't been on the show in a while, so it's it's. I get it. It's we get forgetful because we're while. back, baby. We're End back in force. Mm-hmm. It's the Friday of finals week, so I'm expecting not sleep well tonight because of drunk assholes in my parking lot. What? 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 That'll wrap it up. I hope you have a super week. Bye. Bye. Vicky Vale. She is great, isn't she? Ooh, yeah.